Welcome to Podship Earth. This is your host, Jared Blumenfeld. I grew up in England, never having learned how to swim. It took me until my mid-twenties to teach myself, and even now, I'm a piss-poor swimmer. This week, we talk swimming with one of the world's best, Kim Chambers. This is the Morning Swim Show. I'm your host, Jeff Cummings, and it's a pleasure to have with us today in the Phoenix Monitor, Kim Chambers. The New Zealand native completed the extraordinary feat of swimming across seven major waterways, dubbed the Ocean Seven. She's just one of six people in the world to have done it. What is the Ocean Seven? These are the toughest marathon swims in the world. Kim has swum from Great Britain to Northern Ireland, from New Zealand's North to South Island, from the Hawaiian Island of Oahu to Molokai, from Catalina Island to Los Angeles, from Honshu to Hokkaido in Northern Japan, from Gibraltar to Morocco, and from Dover to France in the English Channel. But for Kim, this was just the beginning. Against nearly impossible odds, including frigid waters and great white sharks, Kim swam the 30 miles between the Farallon Islands and San Francisco. Kim wasn't always a swimmer. Here's her current swimming coach, Vito Biala, from Night Train Swimming, talking about Kim's evolution as a swimmer. I don't know how to describe Kim. First time we went swimming, she got into the water. I took off and did two strokes, and I looked. It's like, where's Kim? And I looked behind me, and she was behind me. She's like flashing and trashing. It's like, oh, my God, did we make a mistake? <laughs> And, but she had that determination that she wants to be a swimmer. It's like, okay, well, you have tiny little hands, you have tiny little feet, you know, your form is awful. Um, you're gonna need a little help. So next time she showed up, she was just a little bit faster. And that's the story of Kim. Every time she showed up, she was more intense and she trains hard. <laughs> Kim's whole sort of body language is like, bring it on. She pours so much of her love and passion into the sport and the things that she does, and that's what Kim's all about. It's very special to see her go from being a shitty swimmer to one of the greatest in the world. Kim and I meet up in San Francisco, where she lives. I begin by asking her to recount how a very bad accident led her on an amazing odyssey to become one of the world's greatest swimmers. 11 years ago, gosh, um, I was, uh, I hate being late and I was late for work. And at the time I used to pride myself on, you know, it's all about the outfit. So I had these really sexy heels, uh, for work. I don't know why, uh, but they were quite high and I was wearing a pantsuit and it was a very superficial sort of socialite life of San Francisco of just, um, being in Silicon Valley and wearing the right clothes, the right labels. And um, I slipped down the staircase and I my heel got caught in my pantsuit and I just careened down the staircase. I hit my head. My right leg just whacked the ceramic pot that I had put there. And I remember thinking that it was probably just a really bad bruise. But I passed out eventually and... My... That was a sign of something. <laughs> Maybe it's slightly worse than a bad bruise. <laughs> that was when my body was like, uh, okay, show's over. And I literally was 
the next memory was waking up at St. Francis Hospital here in San Francisco with my leg suspended, uh, swollen beyond belief, and I'd already had an emergency surgery to save my leg. And the uh, surgeon came in and he basically said, look, we managed to save your leg. You were 30 minutes from losing it from the knee down. Uh, but we did save it, but we don't know if you'll ever be able to use it. But I remember looking at my leg and it was just a moment that I'll never forget because it was it became a defining moment for me because when that surgeon said those words to me, I my immediate response in my head was like, I'm not going to accept this. I was so horrified um, and I, I just wanted to find my way out. I think many people just give in to that moment because it's there's so much momentum and force pushing you towards just give up. Like, mm-hmm. how could how could you possibly overcome this? Mm. I mean, it it's daunting. I learned a lot about myself. Um, I mean, it took me two years to walk again, which is a long time. You it's say a long it, time. two years. Yeah, it's a long. As if it was like the blink of an eye. Mm. But mm. what did those two years look like? So a lot of it, I, I just sort of passed by. Uh, I I committed to doing everything that I could to remedy this. I didn't know. There was no guarantee, which I think was the hardest part, but I chose not to look at that. I committed myself to all the physical therapy sessions. I went four days a week from 9 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. I only missed one session. I was still... I don't know how I found my way through that. It was a very lonely two years as well mm. because I I just saw myself as other. I'm a perfectionist, so you want to show up perfect, right? You want to show up as you, and I just was broken. I didn't want anyone to see me. So I was pretty much isolated myself mm. for those two years, and, yeah, it's a long two years, really. And it wasn't that long ago. I mean, 11 no. years. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So as part of that physical therapy, swimming became part of your routine. Yeah, yeah. I didn't grow up as a swimmer. I was you know, a ballerina. And, but after those two years, I, I felt sort of defeated really because I'd put so much work in. And I am the sort of person, I believe if you give it 110%, you're going to get what you have earned. And here I was, it's two years, I still had this limp. I was still wearing an ankle foot orthotic, which is a big brace that goes on your leg because um, it helps you uh, pick up your feet. I, I lost the dorsiflexion because there was nerve damage. And I was just so, I was just tired of being just stuck. And I had gone through getting off all the pain meds I because I, I hated how they made my head feel. I just wanted some control over my life. And with that sort of a sense of freedom, mentally and physically Mm. and I just became drawn to the water and there was a pool here there's a pool here in San Francisco and I I showed up there and I really was I remember being so nervous because the scars were just horrific and that was all that was on my mind I was like people are going to be looking at my scars and this just looks awful like I was just disgusted with myself which you know it's sad because we all go through illnesses and things but I got in the water and nobody even cared about that and I made it from one end to the next and uh, it definitely didn't look very good, but I just could move and I I could move across the water like everybody else. And, I, you know, you're weightless in the water, which is so freeing. Shortly after swimming in the pool, 
these guys suggested I swim in the bay and they were kind of cute and I lo- I'll do anything for a dare. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, right on, let's do this. No wetsuit. And it was November of 2009. And that was just such a, a, a just I couldn't believe that I'd gotten that water because your whole body's telling you this is ridiculous. And it was this whole community there of people getting in the water without a wetsuit. And you could hear the sea lions barking and the seals. And it was just like, um, it just, every day it just, it, it propelled me further. And even just getting in the water was such a confidence booster because I was like, I didn't know I could do that, but I did it. And even though I wasn't swimming very far, but I, I did my first big swim, which was in June of 2010, and it was on my 33rd birthday, I swam from Alcatraz, and I called it the first annual Kiwi Invitational Escape from Alcatraz. Nice. (laughs) And my friends joined me, and I just remember being out there in the bay, and I was like looking at Alcatraz behind me in San Francisco. I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. So every sort of experience just sort of, it gave me that mental and turned physical boost that just nurtured me and... um, just allowed me to heal. So, because I was inspired by you, went on my first swim in the bay two weeks ago, and fabulous. I I'd never <laughs> swum that far in my life, so I swam to the flag and back. Nice. And um, it took me forty minutes. <laughs> I was told when I got out that I should only been in the water twenty minutes. Yes. <laughs> and um, but I felt my whole body shutting down. Yes. It was incredible. I mean, it just... While you were in the water or when you got out? When I got out. Yeah. It's uh, called after drop. So your, your well, body... No one temp- told me about this. Yeah. yeah what's after drop? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Oh, it's uh, your body temperature keeps dropping. So uh, a lot of people will pass out. But yeah, 40 minutes is a long time in that water because I would guess it was probably, you know, pretty... Like it was 50- like 58. Yeah. So then they told mm-hmm. me I had to go into the sauna in the mm-hmm. Dolphin Club. Yeah. I couldn't take a shower because if I fainted the shower, I could crack my head. I was like, yeah. faint? <laughs> I'm going to faint? And then going in the sauna, the idea is like you're basically like a piece of meat. They're cooking you from the inside. Yeah. So you're warming up. But- so, so all the people told me when I said I was going to be interviewing you, one, they were so excited. And two, they <laughs> said, Kim, when she goes swimming, she swims to the opening and then she looks out towards the greater bay and she just yelps. Yes, I go, with happiness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I go, woo. I can't help it. It's just this expression of joy but I also love talking in the water um, I've had some of my best conversations out there when you're freezing I hope that you sense the sort of playfulness out there mm, not so much yeah <laughs> <laughs> I do with you now I wish but it was um well, it's, it's a slippery like going slope to so. space yes I mean it's a very foreign and at the same time familiar environment to be in this cold salty i mean we're made up right of 60 percent water and we're pretty saline and yes you're in the water and i just i was so scared of um putting my head in the water Mm. fully Mm. but then once you do it you're kind of just in it and it it definitely felt it was one of the most exhilarating things i've ever done yeah well i love that I think also my experience is it's so primal. You get to connect with, well, you get to connect with yourself because you become very aware of, okay, um, how's my body feel? Am I tired? Am I cold? You get to really um, be very um, aware of every part of your body, which is, I don't think we really get to do that mm. in everyday you know, world on land. And also the connection with nature. 
that just, for me, just lights up every cell in my body. You nearly have lost the, the use of your leg and then you go swimming and then you go into the bay. Most of us would stop there. Mm. That would be like, great, we did that. Yeah. But you kept going. I, I didn't realize that when I joined the Dolphin Club and the South End Rowing Club, I had inserted myself into a community that I think of as sort of like the secret adventurous society. These people um, have regular jobs. They could be judges. They could be construction workers, teachers. None of that matters. I was encouraged. Like people didn't think anything was crazy. And I would do one swim and they'd be like, well, if I can do that, then maybe I can do that and then that. And it just... It did become addictive because I was learning something with each of those things. I just, I just wanted to get the next little nugget of, uh, of life from each, you know, lesson from each experience. And before I knew it, I was doing these long marathon swims, and I was then a marathon swimmer. I had spent two years of being completely broken, and I was given this opportunity to rebuild myself. I'm like a twelve year old out there. I'm so giddy. I'm so just excited with this wonder that um, it's right here in San Francisco and it's crazy. And then you're with these people that tell you this is all okay, this is totally normal. And I I was just so captivated by that. And I would look at the wall with the English Channel swimmers and these were just gods to me, like the English Channel. And then they would just show up on the beach next to me and just like, oh, hey, Kim, you know, ordinary people. And... I just wanted to be like them. I wanted I wanted to achieve that for myself. I started off doing relay swims and I joined a team. I had an opportunity to swim the English Channel in 2011 on a relay and my friend Neil who climbed Everest he'd swum the English Channel. And I remember him sitting, you know, on my floor with his dog and he's like, "Kim, you know, you're going to swim the English Channel on a relay like why are you there? Why don't you just do a solo? And I was like, that is a great idea. I told some people at Dolphin Club and they were just horrified because it takes so much preparation, but I just was craving an adventure. So I attempted the English Channel just a few days after my relay, which was just absolute stupidity. Didn't even make it halfway across and I I got pulled onto the boat. And I can't quite explain the it was this disappointment, this embarrassment. I came back with my tail between my legs and I decided that I was going to return there as qualified as I could possibly be. But what did failure, like when you when you didn't quite make it halfway across, like what did failure look like? What does it, when you, when you said you fail and you have to go on the boat, is it exhaustion? Is it the jellyfish? Is it the cold? Like what, what stopped you? So it was a combination. I was way too slow um, because you time these swims based on the movement of the water. So mm. you want to arrive at, in France on an incoming flood because once the water starts ebbing, it's pushing you backwards. I was also getting very, very cold and I knew that I hadn't done it right and I sort of kicked myself for that. But it lit a fire inside me because I vowed to myself I would return to finish it because i got to finish what I started. I get that you wanted to swim the channel, even though it seems insane to me, but you took it to a completely crazy next level and decided to swim all seven of the toughest marathon swims in the world. And you started in New Zealand where you grew up, right? You're referring to. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, the Cook Strait, you swam that. Yes. 
That was the first of your seven channel swims? Well, it was the first successful one. And okay. I, it's interesting, you know, we sort of live in a world where you only talk about your successes, but I think you learn a lot from your failures. And I, I know that to be true for myself. So my first solo, successful solo, was the Cook Strait at home in New Zealand. And I swam. Uh, it took me eight hours and 23 minutes, 17 miles. And I started in the South Island and I swam to North Island. I feel like everything sort of happens for a reason. And the fact that that was my first successful solo at a time when my maternal grandfather was was dying, um, it was such a proud moment for me. So there's an image of you swimming with the dolphins. Yeah. And just it just it looks kind of computer generated. It's hard to <laughs> imagine that those dolphins were actually swimming with you yes, like they that. they were. Yeah. They were so close to me. I could hear the squeaking and so I would squeak back because I was like, well, that's how they communicate. And then they just sort of arrived and it was like, wow, the cavalry has arrived and we are doing this together. And then they're just zipping underneath me and I was trying to catch their dorsal fins and they, of course, they're too fast. They were just playing with me and I love that they knew I was not an enemy. Like that experience of being so connected with nature Mm. is just... So magical for me. It seems like most of your swims are in super cold water. So tell us about your swim in Hawaii from Oahu to Molokai. The Molokai Channel is a very rough stretch of water. Uh, there's tiger sharks, there's Portuguese man of war. <laughs> yeah. And I got in at 8.30 at night at Molokai. Even at night, the water is so clear. Hmm. And... It's just like a dream and, mm. and you you know, my, my fingers would, you know, go through the water and mm. this, the bioluminescence just like sparkles off, like glitter off my fingertips and it sort of it becomes mesmerizing and, you know, when you're in the water in the beginning, your heart is like the, the adrenaline, everything. It's so, so scary. I mean, I'm the f- first to say like, I, am, I have been terrified with every one of these swims. I don't do them because I'm not scared. Uh, it's the opposite. You do them because you ask it. Yes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> because I have learned the, the, the satisfaction, the gift of pushing through it because for the rest of your life you can say, I did that. And it's not to boast about it. It's just because you're going to go through trauma again. It's inevitable in life. But there's these are little treasures that you can just tuck away in your sort of back pocket and be like, I'm going through something really difficult right now, but shit, I just, I swam from Molokai to Oahu. If I can do that, I can get through this. It's obviously a ridiculous hardship and incredibly strenuous and and you need a lot of tenacity and all those things. But at the same time, you can really see how engaged you are in being in the water. It just feels like that's where I should be. (laughs) It's so primal and nothing else matters. Nothing else. And, you know, on land, we, we fill our heads with these thoughts, these worries, these concerns, these trying to impress somebody or trying to look a certain way. But there's something so vulnerable and, and incredibly freeing about just being in a swimsuit and being enveloped by this water and being accepted by marine mammals. And, yeah, I don't know how many opportunities we really get to do that. Um, people meditate. So I guess this is kind of a meditation for me. I just don't know of any other time when I can do that where it's just me mm. and nature and my thoughts and you have to control your thoughts. That's a big part of, of, of the, the sport. Um, 
because you can very easily go into a negative space and will yourself out of it. And the boat is just, you know, 10 feet away. And the rules of marathon open water swimming are you can't get on the boat. Even at night, you don't sleep on the boat. You're in the water. You cannot touch the boat. They throw you a drink bottle on a rope because you cannot have any physical contact with your crew. But I'd be lying if I said that there weren't times where I would look at the boat and all I have to do to make the pain, the discomfort go away, because there's a lot of discomfort, um, is just touch the boat. It's right there. That's all I have to do and this I will feel better. You have to train your mind. You have to force yourself to keep going. And then when you can see land, it's just like, wow. Um, and as sort of, it, it, you know, so when things are in the distance, there's sort of that bluish hue and then mm. the, the colours sort of appear and it's just like you you know you're getting close. I remember swimming off um, Molokai and you can see so far down. Yeah. I'd never been in water. I mean, yeah. the people I was with were like doing a tiger shark tagging program. And oh, they, wow. They said you could see 700 feet down. <gasps> yeah. And... Like I got vertigo. Yeah, I'm scared is, of heights. Yeah, in the water, I've never <laughs> yeah. had that. And also, yeah. like as the water, as the sun is refracting down and down and down, it creates these like shards of light. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know and, exactly what you're talking about. And like they're moving, like as they're being refracted at different levels, and yeah. it's so trippy. Yeah, I was like, this is inc- <laughs> I mean, literally, and your hand is going through those shards of light, and I was like, yeah. wow, this, if. Anyone who didn't ever think about there being a higher being or something yes. greater than us, yes. like this moment, was so incredible. Mesmerizing, yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, when I swim here in the bay, I realize that I actually like not being able to see because <laughs> I'm scared of heights. And when you're at the top of the surface and you can see that far down, it's like, it's, it's really scary. Yeah. And also you can see if something's coming. And there's been swims where I've been so afraid with the water's been so clear. I have decided I'm not going to breathe to my right because I don't want to see what's coming. <laughs> so one of the things that I find hardest is breathing. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in normal life, yeah, I often forget to breathe. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I just need to breathe. Yeah. And swimming, yeah. you really need to think about each yeah. breath. Breathing seems like the most important thing about swimming. And it becomes very um, meditative, right? And I forget to breathe sometimes. When I'm uh, focused on something, I... I can't concentrate and breathe at the same time. But when I'm in the water, it, it's just um, you just take one, two, three uh, strokes and then breathe. One, two, three, breathe. And it's just, it's very comforting. Kim, you push yourself harder than anyone I've ever met. What's your secret? We are all capable of far more than we think we are, really. Um, it's about, you know, imagine yourself sort of like in a room sort of stretching and um, you sort of stretch and you sort of touch a wall and it moves. And with each of these experiences, you sort of stretch a little bit further. And I know so many of us are afraid to do that because many people might be afraid of what they might discover. And it's so easy to live a life where you wake up, you make a pot of coffee, you have your breakfast, you go to work, you come home and... That's safe, right? It's predictable. But is it really fulfilling? And I think that if you can just imagine doing something you didn't think you could do, and even if it does scare you, you will evolve in a completely different way. You'll find a fulfillment. You will grow as a human being. And 
if I can do this, anyone can do this. I think we all deserve to be the best versions of ourselves. Um, it's easier said than done. But uh, my experience has been one of wonderment and fulfillment. And I'm not done yet. I can only imagine what audacious goals you're going to set for yourself next. That sense of wonderment that you describe is also so contagious. I had one more question, though, about the Ocean 7 swims. The toughest of the lot seemed like the one from Scotland to Northern Ireland, where the water was absolutely freezing and filled with jellyfish. The year I did it, it was, yes. Well, I've <laughs> I got my money's so many, worth. <laughs> I've never seen so many jellyfish. No. And they stung you each time you went by one. Yeah. Time and time and time. It, Hundreds of times. Yeah. Uh, I remember my first sting. It was, I started the swim at about four o'clock in the morning and it was dark. And so I didn't see it coming. And the boat captain had told me leading up to the swim, you know, there'd been this unusual bloom of jellyfish. They're called lion's mane and their gelatinous bulbs are sort of the size of a mini Cooper tire. And their tentacles go 12 to 15 feet below the surface. They look beautiful at a distance. But he said, you know, if you get stung in the first hour, the chances of you finishing the swim are pretty minimal. And uh, I like to prove people wrong. <laughs> so I knew I got stung. I didn't tell my crew. The sea was littered with them and they would got to a point where they would blow a whistle and I, would, I knew to stop. And they'd be like, Kim, go left, go left. No, Kim, go right, go right. And I'm crying because... This was the last of the Ocean 7 swims for me. I, I like to say I left the best for last, but really it was the scariest one for me because 53-degree water, it's the same uh, distance as the English Channel, about 21 miles as the crow flies, but because of the the, the tidal movements, it's, you sort of swim like an S-curve. So you probably swim about 35 miles. And um, there was my own pressure of... I was about to finish my Ocean 7, so I was going to do everything I could to um, make it happen, and I wasn't going to let anything stop me. But it became a medical emergency. If they know that I'm having trouble breathing, this is over. They're going to pull me on the boat. So I was like, okay, I've got to adjust my stroke to make it look like I'm doing okay. <laughs> and uh, then I don't really remember what else happened. I know that I finished the swim because there's video footage. I do not remember finishing my Ocean 7, a, a moment that was supposed to be so satisfying um, and, and special for me personally, I I have no recollection. I, I, I did look like a gremlin when I finished the swim. And, uh, I and you was, spent a while in hospital. Yes, I had um, two hospitalizations, one in Northern Ireland in a respiratory ward. And then I was flown back to California and put in a cardiac ward. And the, that almost killed me. I was diagnosed with pulmonary edema. Okay, so this part, up until now, it's like... A lesson for everyone and what they can and can't do and like pushing themselves and embracing their fears. I mean, at that point, I kind of felt like this is a part where you actually are harming yourself. Mm. Mm. And it made me worried about you. Yeah. I love my life. I have wonderful people in my life and I am not doing these swims as a sort of a daredevil sort of or with a death wish. Quite the opposite. I'm doing them to feel more alive. I am harming myself. I have pulmonary edema. And I thought my swimming career was over, but I, I wasn't done. I snapped back um, and I started swimming again. The Ocean 7 gave me sort of a plan and I um, became the third woman uh, ever to, to, to complete that, the sixth person ever. Um, but the swim that I completed in 2015 was 
very, very personal and very spiritual for me, and that was from the Farallon Islands. So I chose that on my own, and I put the crew together of trusted people. It's a very powerful um, realisation to understand who is a negative person in your life and who's a positive person. And mm. when you find those positive people, I mean, you just you can be anyone you want to be. You can be the best yeah, the very best version of yourself. And there are negative people that um, I've, I've been affected by them. I, I don't have a thick skin. Um, but I've learned to let go of trying to please them or have them in my life. And it's it's rewarded me with so much goodness. And it's tough to do that, but it's rewarding. So I challenge people to really think about how they want to craft their life because it's your own it's your life no one else's and everyone is a unique person and you know I I do feel like things happen for a reason and but for the most part we're in the driver's seat of our lives and it's 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 a pretty amazing feeling to know that for yourself Here's a clip of the next adventure that you took on. There's a new milestone in extreme swimming this morning. For the first time, a woman completed the grueling swim from the Farallon Islands to San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge. I've always, always wanted to go to the Farallon Islands. I love those islands. They are still within San Francisco. They're 30 miles away, which is, trust me, a long 30 miles. Um, And it's this jagged outcropping of, of just rocks that just appear out of nowhere. But... The, the, the marine life there is, 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 is just incredible. And then they have these seals that would just come up to me within a foot away and just look at me and their eyelashes and they're just, again, accepting me as a, as a friend. And so it's become this very spiritual place for me. And I, I mean, every time I'm out there, it's so scary, but it's so exciting. I think that most people would be thinking about sharks, not the seals, when they were jumping in the water at the Farallons. But they they weren't interested in me, and it just feels like such a huge honour because I, I know they could feel me. I could feel them. It's just, even to this day, I just, I can remember that feeling of when I got in the water and I was very careful to just, I didn't want to make a splash because I was like, I'd, I don't want to, like, draw attention to myself, even though you could hear the gurgling of the engine of the boat. I mean, it was clear that we were there. But I um, I made a conscious effort to just sort of slip in the water, and it's like this adrenaline again. But I love adrenaline. It makes you do crazy things. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about, like, there's this duality in what you do. One is the experience, mm-hmm. and the other is the accomplishment. Yes. And you're not – you're doing it. You get both out of it, right? Yes. And I And sometimes – maybe you wouldn't have the experience if you didn't set that goal mm-hmm. to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. Like how do you balance those out? Well, the accomplishment is, is um, again, like, like I said, sort of tucking this little treasure in their back pocket. It, it's very personal. Um, but the most important part for, for my journey um, with these swims has been the emotional connection, the, the spiritual connection, um, because they have not just been athletic events and, I have experienced more from the emotional part of it than the accomplishment. You know, when I get out of the water at the end of a swim and I'm in so much pain and I'm cold, I am a different person from the one who jumped off the boat in the middle of the night and slipped into that water 17 hours before. Um, I just, I feel so 
rich <laughs> from these experiences. Just trying something you didn't think you could do and it could just be very, very simple or, or doing something that scares you, that bothers you. Um, life is just so amazing if you just surrender to the possibility of being. We've only got one shot at it, this one life, and we are all guaranteed exactly the same ending. It's just what you want to do before that because we're all going to die. It's just a question of when and how. And we've, we're given an opportunity every day to wake up and live the best life because it's only one life. Part of the cool thing about marathon swimming, it, it isn't, there isn't different classes for men or women. So when you swim the English Channel, there's not a women's division or a men's division. And I love that. I, I love that we are, it's the same playing field. I feel privileged to be able to show young girls that you can be feminine and you can go head to head with men. I think there's so much power in that. This is not a glamorous sport. Um, you know, if you took a, a lineup of marathon swimmers and you were asked to pick who was a world-class athlete, I guarantee you'd never pick any of them. It's not about what your body looks like. It's about achieving something for yourself. You came out of adversity and injury and then you do these amazing things and now you kind of going back, you went back into that cycle and now you're coming out of it again. Tell us about where you've been. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, my, I seem to have these great highs and, and very deep lows, but it makes you appreciate things so much more. Um, this was my summer of Guillaume Beret. It causes your body to turn on itself and attack the protective sheath of your nerves. So you, it's called the myelin sheath over your nerves. And they don't know how I got it. There's some possibility that's connection to the Zika virus, but I wasn't sick. Um, and I woke up on May the 6th of this year, 2018, and my left foot just felt like it was asleep. It was completely numb. And I was like, oh, I've just slept on it wrong. It's going to wake up. And I'm like hitting it and stretching. And then I'm sort of, you know, touching my lower leg and my left calf is, I can't feel anything. And within a matter of hours, I... And watching my body become paralyzed, I, and this is very, it's very fresh for me to talk about. Uh, it's only been six months, but I watched with horror as it was almost like there was some alien being in my body because it, the paralysis jumped over to my right leg. They took me straight in and, and put me in the ICU. And I... They probably have your name there. <laughs> you know, the, the doctor who first saw me, she's like, oh, Kim. Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I, remember I treated you after your Farallon Island swim. And I was like, yep. So I was treated with a five-day nonstop IV of uh, antibodies. Again, and no pain whatsoever. The reason you weren't in pain is you were being paralyzed. <laughs> right? That, that, that's... <laughs> The upside is no pain. The downside oh is gosh. I couldn't feel anything or yeah. move my body. Yeah. Whoopsie. Yeah, you know, you're right. <laughs> yeah. And how close were you to this being permanent? Yeah. So this is probably my closest call. Uh, so it was moving up my body and the next part was going to be my respiratory system, which mm. was game over. So they think that was about less than 60 minutes. 
Did you mention to them, oh, I'd been stung by jellyfish a hundred times? <laughs> oh, they knew. Yeah, they, they didn't knew. see any correlation. You've had to recuperate. Yes. And so I am here today with you, um, not wearing my braces. So I, um, so I was in the ICU, then I was in a rehab hospital. I was off work for five months. I was in a wheelchair, then I uh, progressed to wearing leg braces to help me pick up my feet. And I had a walker with the handbrakes and the seat, and it was really fancy. And uh, when I would go along my street here in San Francisco, there'd be 80-year-olds, and we'd just sort of look at each other with sort of a knowing smile. And I think they were jealous because I had flames on my walker. Mm. And to go back to my uh, leg injury 10 years ago when I hid myself away, I owned it this time. I didn't hide away. I'd be wearing short shorts, little tank top, my leg braces, and my walker, and there was a lot of pride for me, even though I was in so much suffering from so much trauma. But I carried myself with a sense of pride. Um, you've gone through something that is um, life-changing. I'm more motivated than ever to continue what I was doing. And this has been a big knock for me because I'm not, still not out of the woods. Um, I get neurological tremors. I still can't walk properly. But I have the maturity from my last, it taking me two years to walk again last time. Now it's only taken me six months. So I'm getting better at learning to walk again as an adult. So I have been armed this summer with a maturity based on those other experiences to know that the light is at the end of the tunnel. Thank you so much to Kim Chambers for her incredible energy, drive, tenacity, and for the joy she shared with us today. Kim is on the road to recovery and has some amazing plans for the future. Kim showed me how determination and discipline can help us overcome incredible obstacles in the pursuit of realizing our dreams. If you like the podcast, you'll love the movie Kim Swims, which is now available on the iTunes store. I've been scared of swimming for much of my life, and Kim motivated me to take my own leap of faith and take the plunge into San Francisco Bay. It was ridiculously exhilarating and terrifying, and I can't wait to do it again. Next week, we look at how imports of everything from toys to refrigerators to clothes are taking their toll on efforts to clean up the air in Los Angeles. We visit with the nation's largest port to meet with community activists, truck drivers, labor leaders, and visit with the world's first zero emissions container yard. Thank you so much for being part of the Podship Earth journey from the entire Podship Earth crew. Sound engineer Rob Spate, producer Nancy Ferranti, executive producer David Kahn, and me, Jared Blumenfeld. Have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>